God's rescues, protections, and provisions. This is part four, where we're focusing on Elijah. So the subtitles could be The Best of Times and the Worst of Times, The Expansions and Contractions of a Birth, or The Ups and Downs of God's Shakings. I'm going to read some background scriptures, but before I do, we want to pray today because we need God to bring revelation to us about what this is speaking about so that we can realize just how real and relevant it is and that we can see through this exactly how to keep ourselves on track in Jesus' mighty name. So, Father, as we open the Word of God, we're asking again for your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened, that we might know the hope to which you've called us, that we might fully understand what Jesus said about the times in which we live, and that we might also have a revelation of faith that you will look after us and provide for us throughout this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first background scripture today is found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are children of God. Now, the we in that sentence is obviously talking about those who are born again and have come into God's family. We know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Other translations say the whole world. Now, it's important to bear this in mind as we press on with this because Jesus is about to say something that's very relevant to this scripture, or should I say it like this? He's about to say something important and the Holy Spirit has explained it a little more clearly in this scripture. So we're in God's family. We are God's children. We're under God's control. People that are not yet born again don't realize it maybe, but by default, because they're Adam and Eve's descendants, they're in the devil's kingdom and they are in his family and they're under his control. I'm going to read this again. It says it very clearly. We know that we, us born again people, are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. I know it takes a lot of mind renewal to really let this sink in because it's very easy to see that around us there are good people and bad people. But remember the tree that caused all the trouble in the Garden of Eden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's born again versus non-born again is the issue, not good versus evil so much, because the tree that caused the trouble was a knowledge of good and evil. So there's a contrast. Now let's read what Jesus said. Now we looked at this big long passage last week, but today we're going to read it in the Passion Translation. It's found in Matthew chapter 24. Some people call it the Little Apocalypse, verses 3 to 14. Later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? So that's a when question. And what sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of the age? Second question is about a sign. Jesus answered, at that time, deception will run rampant. So that's one of the signs. 
wild deception. So beware that you're not fooled. Last week it says, see that you be not deceived. Amen. That's our responsibility. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I'm the anointed one, and they will lead many astray. Do not follow them. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side with more rumours of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. Again, it's an instruction to us. Do not fear. For the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. Did you hear that? Did you see what Jesus just said? He said the whole world system's under the power, the authority or the sway of the evil one. Then he says, the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. This is what all of the shaking is about. It's God shaking up the world system. So, for example, on one hand, you've got the world wanting to do the great reset and you've got God doing his great reset. They're coming into a clash. It's the best of times and it's the worst of times. It's the up of exciting gospel presentations of shaking, and it's the down of pressure, these birth contractions. Amen. It's the best of times and the worst of times, but God said in the book of Hebrews, he's shaking all things so that that which cannot be shaken may remain, and the things that can be shaken will be removed. Now, in this Bible, it says it this way, for the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen, but it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. That's when you're hearing rumours of wars. It's just starting. It's beginning to unfold. Verse 7, nation will go to war against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be terrible earthquakes, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the birth pains of the new age will begin. Now, the new age it's referring to here is not the new age movement. It's not the age of Aquarius. That's the counterfeit to what God is doing. This here is talking about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, and it comes to pass by a birth or a harvest. That's the two types of illustration God gives us in the Bible. said, the kingdom of God is like a man who sows seed in the field. Amen. The birds come, the rains, the winds and the scorching. All of these things attack the harvest. But when the grain is ripe, there's a harvesting. The other one is, you know, it's getting pregnant with something. And the whole of the body of Christ has been impregnated with the vision for a glorious future in Jesus. And we're going to keep believing for it. We're going to keep confessing it, keep praying for it, praising God for it, keep focused on the Word of God. And this thing's starting to stir up. There's an expanding going on and expanding. There's going to be a huge in-reaping or in-gathering of souls and a great end-time harvest. But there's a birth coming at the same time simultaneously. I believe this is all going to happen at once because it's like the baby coming down to the birth canal and being pushed through and finally it comes out 
And you know, the joy comes in the morning. When the baby is born, the Bible says, you forget the pain of childbirth. Now, I don't know if that's true. I've never had a baby. Rosanna's never had a baby. I do not know. I can only repeat what I've read. Amen. Now, the Bible goes on to say here, with Jesus speaking, you can expect to be persecuted, even killed. So there's nothing that we can do to stop these things coming to pass. Jesus said there will be wars, there will be famines, there will be earthquakes, terrible epidemics, and now he says there will be persecution. Now, of course, you can fight persecution. You pray for those that persecute you, and if you're persecuted in one city, you flee to another. If you don't do what Jesus says, the persecution could be much worse. Amen. And he said, even be killed. For you will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and falling away. This is Jesus shaking the church, pressures on the church. He wants to find out, ultimately, through this process, I suppose, he's watching us to see who is genuine and who will stick with him and who is just along for a joyride. If you just long for a joyride, and remember, joy is important, but if you just along for all the uptimes, when the pressure comes on, that's what this is saying. Many will stop following and will fall away. Then they will betray one another and hate one another. And to make matters worse, we have this problem in verse 11. Many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. The book of Isaiah talks about truth falling in the street. Jesus said he gives us the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The spirit of truth is not in the world. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the world. When there's a lot of Christians out there amongst the world system, truth constantly comes to the surface, but they can't receive it. And so when the world system's got the upper hand, or should I say where it's got the upper hand, truth falls in the street. Then it comes down to whoever can spin the best, tell the best story, has the most influence, or lies the best, or cheats the best, are the ones whose way comes to pass. But that's not God's way. Amen. Verse 12, there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burn with passion for God and others will grow cold. In most Bibles, I'll talk about the love of many will grow cold. But hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. So it's pressure, 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 birth. Amen. Pressure, 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 breakthrough. Now, most of us have experienced that as we've walked with Jesus. We're pushing for a breakthrough, believing for a breakthrough, believing for a healing, a financial breakthrough, whatever it is, a breakthrough in worship. We push through, we push through, nothing, nothing, nothing. Bang, suddenly you got it. Now, the best illustration I've ever come up with for this is Back in the day, they came out with these three-dimensional pictures. When you look at it, it just looks like a conglomeration of colours, all different colours and lines and bits and pieces. But if you look at it for long enough, let your eyes focus beyond the page, your brain is tricked and suddenly you see a three-dimensional picture. Now, if you've experienced that, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you might have seen those things and given up on it. But one day my friend gave it to me and he told me the instructions and I was looking at it and suddenly I saw it. 
I could scarcely believe my eyes. There was a real clear picture, three-dimensional. One of them was Jesus on the cross. One of them was the cave. One of them was the thief, you know. And it was so clear, so vivid, yet a few seconds before it just looked like a conglomeration of colours just in one or two dimensions. Suddenly I saw the picture. And that's what I thought is an illustration of a breakthrough. Just before the breakthrough, you're pushing for it, you're believing, you're confessing, you're praising the Lord, you're standing, having done all to stand, stand therefore with your helmet of salvation, you know, shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, breastplate of righteousness. You're standing and standing. Then suddenly there's a breakthrough. And that's what's going to happen with this change of age. Amen. There'll be pressure, pressure, pressure. Then suddenly it'll break through and Jesus's reign will happen. Now, I know in some versions of the end times, we go out for a while before we come back. Other versions of the end time, we stay here and fight it through. I don't know which one it is to be sure, to be sure. You know, we all hope we'll be out. But what if we stay? We're just going to have to keep overcoming, keep standing, because the one who restrains is us. As long as we're here, we're going to keep standing. Now, if we get taken out of the way, as one passage says, it all gets restrained until we're taken out of the way or the Holy Spirit and us go. Then the evil one runs rampant for a period of time and then bang, the Lord returns and consumes him with the fire of his mouth. He comes back with 10,000 of his saints. Woohoo! If that's the way it works out, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm in it. Glory to God. But the point is, while we're here, we stand our ground. We believe God. We believe for a better day and we believe for a great breakthrough. Amen. Verse 14. Yet through it all, Jesus said, the good news of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after that, the end of this age will arrive. So you can see here, Jesus is saying that during the worst of times, there's going to be the best of times in evangelism, church growth, even though we may be an underground church, who knows, but there'll be added people all the time. People will be added. There'll be growth. There'll be excitement. There might be pressure from the outside, but there's going to be a lot of joy and excitement. And it's the worst of times and the best of times. Amen. The shaking up as well as the shaking down. Now, let's read now this scripture from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 to 29, where the Holy Spirit explains this again from a different point of view. Okay, here we go. This is the Passion Translation. Make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. Those who heard him speak in his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? We have to listen to his warnings. Verse 26, the earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain but now he has promised, once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. He's speaking right into that situation where the devil controls the whole world system. 
He's going for the enemy that controls it all in the background and he's shaking up the world systems that the enemy has produced. It is shaking and the shaking is going to get more and more intense because we know it's the beginning of birth pains and birth pains get stronger and closer together till the birth comes. Amen. Now, this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaken. <laughs> that sounds like very good news to me. Something very exciting to look forward to that finally, one day we're going to be free of the devil's world system. It'll be gone. No more lying politicians. No more miscarriage of justice in the court. No more false arrest, false imprisonment. Nothing bad's going to be happening. It's going to be straight down the line, all good, Jesus in charge, and we are going to be free, free, free in Jesus' mighty name. Free to live on God's earth as he planned it everyone living under their own fig tree and pomegranate tree, you know, you could say, or everybody raising a family, living in a family, living in their church with their friends. It's just going to be magnificent. This is what it says. This clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. The only things that can't shake are built upon God's word. So when all is said and done and all is shaken, the dross is removed, as you could say, and all the crust is shaken away, then underneath that will be a pure world, you could say. Underneath that, there's going to be a kingdom of God built on God's word. It's unshakable. It's strong with strong bonds of love and of peace. I don't know how many will be left in it, but it's going to be good. Amen. And the thing is, He's calling us to be part of it. So see that you refuse not him who now speaks his warning from heaven. And he is. Amen. So verse 28 says, Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. For our God is a holy, devouring fire. Amen. Now, on the topic of there will be wars, famines, terrible epidemics and earthquakes. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says through Peter. And I'm going to read chapter 2, verse 9, first in the New King James. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So God knows how to rescue us. Amen. We give up panic and fear. We put our eyes on Jesus and he'll look after us just as surely as he looked after the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. Amen. Fed them, clothed them, gave them water, kept them warm and kept the sun off. 40 years supernatural provision. God can provide for us. He provided for Isaac. Remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He sowed in the year of famine and reaped a hundredfold return. That is miraculous because nobody else was getting a crop. He got a full crop. Amen. God can provide for you. No question about it. And then we saw with Joseph, with God's wisdom, Joseph was able to provide for a whole nation, 
provide for his family, kingdom of God, give them a place to live, and in the middle of it all, he lived in a palace, he drove the second best chariot in the land, he married a princess and had a family. This was amazing. This all happened in a seven-year famine. Supernatural provision. And if God can do it through Joseph, he can do it through you. Elijah was down by the brook when everybody else was in famine and crows, or ravens it says in the Bible, I always think of it as crows because I see them around here. Crows bought him food and then the widow fed him and that drought lasted three and a half years. It's amazing. If God can do all that provision, he can do it for you. God fed thousands of people in the wilderness when Jesus taught them for three days. He multiplied bread and fish. Elisha sorted out some food at one point and the food didn't run out and he got rid of the poison out of it. So God can look after you. I'm convinced of this and I want you to see from the word of God that this provision and protection, safety and guidance is available to you. But like I said before, if they persecute you in this city, flee to another. If you don't obey him, it's going to be worse. Amen. So obedience is crucial. And that's what the Bible said there in Hebrews chapter 12. Make sure we are extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender filled with awe. We need to be worshippers who are surrendered to God's will. Amen. Now we read this 2 Peter 2.9 again, this time in the Aramaic translated to English. The Lord Jehovah knows how to deliver from suffering those who reverence him, but he keeps the evil for the day of judgment while they are being tormented. Wow, that's amazing. Now, we're going to put this in context. Again, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, and this is what this scripture is in context with. And don't forget that he reduced to ashes the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, condemning them to ruin and destruction. God appointed them to be examples as to what is coming to the ungodly. Yes, he did it then, and that's an example for all. He doesn't have to do more examples right now because that's the example. Yet he rescued a righteous man, Lot, suffering the indignity of the unbridled lusts of the lawless. For righteous Lot, who lived among them day after day, distressed in his righteous soul by the rebellious deeds he saw and heard. So the living and the lifestyle of the world system around him stressed him. It says in King James, it vexed him, vexed his soul. Then we get to verse 9. If the Lord Yahweh rescued Lot. See, there's your point. God was judging Sodom and Gomorrah, but he still looked after Lot in the middle of it. So even if we go through a time that's called the Great Tribulation or the second three and a half years of God's wrath, even if we are here, God is such a genius, he can look after us in the middle of it. He did it with Elijah, and he's done it here with Lot. He knows how to continually rescue the godly from their trials and to reserve the ungodly for punishment on the day of judgment. And this especially applies to those who live their lives despising authorities, 
who have abandoned themselves to chasing the depraved lusts of their flesh. That's what God's talking about. He rescued Lot. The others were judged. And God is saying that he can preserve them or reserve them right now until the final judgment. It's no trouble for God to make this separation. But remembering Jesus' parable about the tares and the wheat, he didn't make the separation until the harvest. Amen? Which would be taken as the harvest of souls or the harvest of the world when the angels gather up the people and go off in the rapture. Either way, however it unfolds, God will look after you. Trust him. Put your faith in him and put no faith in the world system. Remember Psalm 1, it says, The man that trusts not in the counsel of the ungodly is blessed. He doesn't trust in the counsel of the ungodly. He's got his faith in God. Because all ungodly people are in the world system and they are under the control of the evil one. We have to remember that. Amen. Now, let's have a look at Psalm 91 just to remind us again of how important it is to stay in the secret place with God. It starts, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. It's a condition. You can't get the promises of Psalm 91 if you're not meeting the condition. Jesus reiterated this condition when he said, Severed from me, you can do nothing. So we've got to abide in the vine. Dwell in the secret place. Amen. Let's read this Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now we've got a second requirement. I will say, this is my responsibility to dwell in the secret place and to say of the Lord, he is my refuge my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Now here come the promises. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. The perilous pestilence sounds like epidemics, pandemics, pests, all kinds of trouble. He will deliver you from that if you're in the secret place and make the right confessions. Verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers. Now, that doesn't mean you're tarred and feathered. He's talking about the protection of angels. That's a covering. Feathers are speaking of angel wings. Amen. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And that truth there is when it's revealed to you in the secret place as you're making your confessions, what is revealed becomes the rhema of God and that is what protects you and that's what brings faith for the shield and it gives you the sword of the Spirit. Amen? You shall not be afraid. There it is confirmed again. Jesus said, do not give in to panic and fear. Here it says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. You know, the enemy has flaming darts and that's possibly what that's referring to nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. I love verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, 
your dwelling place. See, it's conditional. Because you're dwelling in the secret place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. We need that protection when we live in this era of diseases, of sicknesses, of increased death rates, and the threats of pandemics and epidemics. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. You know, Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. He said you'll trample on snakes and scorpions. Obviously, he's building upon this psalm. You'll tread upon the lion and the cobra. We know the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You can tread upon him if you're in the secret place, making the right confessions and adding in the New Testament, walking in the Spirit, living by faith, making sure your love's hot, staying full of the Word of God. You know, if you continue in my Word, you'll be my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. Continue in the Word. Whatsoever thing you ask in my name, I will do it. That's when we're commanding devils, commanding sickness to leave, taking authority over the weather and pandemics, when we're declaring our freedom in Jesus' name. These are the things that that verse is referring to. In another promise, he said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And where two of you agree concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. Amen. Rosanna and I stand on that promise a lot. We need the prayer of agreement to see results and outcomes. Amen. Verse 14 of Psalm 91. Because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I'll set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him. I know some of us are going to die as martyrs, but this here doesn't sound like our life should be cut short with pandemics, with cancer, with heart disease, with persecution, or anything else that's going. Amen. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I heard the testimony of a man that was in charge of an Air Force unit in the American Air Force, and he made them keep saying this all the time. They had to keep memorizing and quoting Psalm 91. He would line them all up and he'd say, Smith, verse 7, verse 2, you know. They had to know it. And while they were doing that and confessing this Psalm, they lost none of their airmen. Amazing. Then somebody else took over that squadron or whatever it's called. They stopped confessing it. They started losing people in the war. So with long life, I will satisfy him if we meet the conditions. Amen. Walk by faith. Walk in the Spirit. Live with red-hot love. Stay in the Word of God. Continue in His Word. Keep quoting the Word, abiding in the secret place, staying in the vine, listening, obeying Jesus as Lord, and submitting and being a worshipper in spirit and in truth. This is what the New Testament 
is telling us is our responsibility, renewing our mind with the Word of God, confessing what the Bible says, confessing Jesus is Lord as our most basic confession, and then listening, following, following the prompts, and believing that He's guiding us. Amen. Because He said, don't refuse him who now speaks from heaven, giving us warnings. We've got to heed this. The promises we're looking at are not available to those who live a very casual life, just expecting, you know, they've got a pantheology. It'll all pan out in the finish. No, pantheism is not Christianity. Amen. That's a joke, by the way. Yes, we know the end times will all pan out, but your Christian protection won't just pan out because it's a good idea or because you expect it to, meet the conditions of what God has said, and then you'll walk in the fullness of his protection, his provision, his safety, and his rescue, even though we do go through pressure times, because there's no Christian life without testing. Everyone gets tested. We go through fiery trials. We all know that. But there's victory. And our reward at the end of it all comes from being an overcomer. Seven times in the seven letters in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, he who overcomes will inherit this, this, and this. And once at the end of the book of Revelation, he who overcomes shall inherit all these things. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for listening. I'm going to ask you a question before we conclude. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you made the first step into the conditions that Jesus and the Psalm writer have laid down and the Holy Spirit in the epistles. If you haven't, the first step is to confess Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, you might say to me, well, why should I believe that? On the evidence of eyewitnesses and on the evidence of meeting Jesus. If you've never met Jesus or you've got no revelation of him, I'll pray that you might meet him. But if you can confess today that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can release your faith for the new birth simply by praying this prayer after me. Say this, Jesus, you repeat it, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I acknowledge that you died for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead proving you forgave me. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. I turn from my life of sin. I confess Jesus is now my Lord. I receive his new birth. I receive his Holy Spirit. I want to be a Christian. My name is now in the Lamb's Book of Life. I believe I'm born again. I'm in God's family. And I'm dwelling in the secret place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. I pray first, Father, for those that said that prayer, that they will know right now that they are born again, that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that really they are truly in your family. And for anybody that couldn't pray that prayer because they're not sure about you, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to them, show them other people 
that are more than enough evidence that Jesus is risen from the dead. And I pray that you would meet their need in every way and show them miracles, Father, that they can't deny that you are real, that you are alive, that Jesus resurrected and life after death is real, it's sure, and life in Jesus is a resurrection of eternal life with God. And the resurrection without Jesus is a resurrection of facing punishment and having to pay for their own sins in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that you got something out of this. If you did, praise God for it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again in the next video. God bless you. Thanks for listening.